there. Okay. So why did it not work before and it should be working now? Um, so you had an input selected, okay, because you were you're taking on those channel strips on the top, channels one and two, that, that's where your mic inputs are going, uh-huh. but those were not being assigned to tracks, essentially, mm. if you want to think of digital tracks, mm. uh, in the fader section. Okay, so the, you can think of the fader as the output, so you can have the input going into those mic strips on top, but you have to direct it somewhere. You don't direct it somewhere, it's not actually being recorded, and, and of course you can't play it back if it hasn't been recorded. So, mm. so just, you know, think of the red light recording. Yeah. I'm just going to do this. I, I, the way I'm going to do it is I, I'm going to say to myself, there's four little dots that need to turn <laughs> right, red. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. No, and then that <laughs> and that's works. all I need to know for that now. That works just fine. The four little dots. And then I hit record and the record button stays on and then play. And then I, it takes it a second and then it starts doing its little thing. Make sure you see the counter. You know, the counter is like you're, you're seeing your tape reels are moving. Yeah. Essentially. And, and then if I wanted something. to stop it, let's say if I have to stop except to go upstairs urgently yeah. in a minute and then yeah. it'll, that recording will stay and then I can hit record again and it'll keep going. Try it right and now. How much time do I have? Try it right now. If you hit stop. I'm pretty <sighs> sure you will not. You'll look where your counter is. I just have to hit stop. I don't have to hit yep. like record stop. Just stop. Yep. And you just hit. Okay. Now it started again. Yep. So I hit stop. Yep. And then why does it take it a second to start recording? Why isn't it instant? Um, not, Maybe not a little sure countdown that, or something. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it, it, it Actually, it probably is giving a four count click. Um, that's probably uh, a, an option oh. that, that I could uh, disable. Um but of course, if you don't have uh, the click turned up, uh, I'll just count it in my play. head and be like, I mean, I'll do it the cool way, like four, three, two, yeah. point. Well, and, and that's kind of the, you know, the, of course you can use it for podcasts, but it's, it's thinking in terms of music as well. So there is actually like uh, there is a tempo associated with this project. It's, you know, it's like a default or whatever. Mm. Um, it's meaningless to us, but if we, it, it does that it has drums in there. And if you were to put down drums right now, they would be in accordance with the tempo of the track, All even right. though we're just, you know, obviously speaking over it in free form. All right, let's anyway. stop for just a sec. All right, good. Okay, so that was about, I think it's about four. I was probably counting too fast for six. Next time I'll do it, I'll do it with a, like the, um, stopwatch on my phone, but I think it's probably four. Oh well, I'm I'm, I think it's almost certainly for it. It just depends. Yeah. The, its speed is going to be based on whatever the default tempo is. Probably like 120 or something. Okay, so the dogs are crossing their legs, all four legs. So I just wanted to get this um, recorded because this is what I want to do pretty much every day at some yeah. point. Um, I want to talk about what's on my mind in the morning. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about what we need to get done today. And then I think we should also try and record our two o'clocks because I think if we're going to archive our journey here, I want to, it's fun to look back and go, wow, that's what we were worried about six right, months ago. Right. You know? <laughs> um, okay. So also for this, this is 
obviously you change your behavior the way you change your talk the way that you talk when you're being recorded so this is just yep. not the way that we would be talking to each other if we were sitting on the couch but i think that that's the point of this experiment or whatever but um what i was talking to you about was uh, a rogan episode where uh and, and now i'm already wanting to grab my phone and go look at these guys names um mm -hmm. so maybe i'll go do that really quickly you do it. i guess it doesn't matter um uh, yeah, so it's this guy that has my dream nightmare job where he gets wrongly convicted people out of prison. And um, the person that he had on in this episode had been in jail for 29 years. His story goes as follows, that he woke up one morning to help his girlfriend get a new Halloween costume for his girlfriend's daughter. And then the next day he's hauled into jail for the next 29 years, convicted by a corrupt prosecutor who also ended up going to jail for his corruption um, for a murder he didn't commit, had absolutely nothing to do with. And this man is incredibly intelligent, incredibly articulate. And I felt like the lawyer that got him out of jail put a little bit too much emphasis on that. You know, like it felt kind of patronizing, like, almost on display look how intelligent he is look at those mm -hmm. big words he just used you know and right. i know that wasn't his right. intention but i think that this man so desperately sees the waste of life behind bars yep. and maybe he just needs to feels like he needs to overemphasize this to get people to realize how yep. bad this problem is and that well uh that was occurring after the uh um uh, you know uh after he's exonerated the the look how intelligent this but i'm saying well that's it was not just part of the marketing campaign to let's get this guy out of jail that's the it's over and done with he's out of jail look we did the right thing sort of thing. yeah i'm not sure okay. which but um you know my absolute i i am especially panicked and terrified about the idea of being incarcerated and the main reason is i don't know how you would ever sleep in a situation like this and indeed the man that he released said in a maximum security prison there's just these endless they call them galleries but these endless corridors yep. in concrete of reverberating noise of you know people attacking each other mentally ill men screaming i don't know how i would even survive that for one night and he lived like that for 29 years so the story about this person surviving this is that he had the mental fortitude to, um, his word was introspect constantly, meditation, stay inside mm -hmm. his head. He educated himself absolutely to the max with the materials that were available to him. Um, and he uh, did you know tons of really amazing programs within the prison and this guy spent 29 years of his life in Sing Sing and Clinton in the, the worst maximum security jails. And it is modern day slavery. We all know this. They're forced to work. If you don't make furniture or make hand sanitizer or whatever it is that they tell you to make for 10, 16 cents an hour, you get thrown in the box in, in solitary confinement. 
um, I just hope that this guy gets millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, uh, wait, just, so you're saying there's mandatory labor? Yeah. Uh, mm, so the story I'm that he sure. tells is you have to get up at six in the morning. Yeah. And you you have to do all this stuff. And there was one specific scenario that he shared where there were a group of men that were assigned to build a thing and they opened up the crates and it was like bars to build more prisons. Right. And they're like, we're not going to do this. Okay, and but but there's there's have to sorry, just there's have to do this like if I don't do this, it's really not gonna be, you know, very convenient for me. Uh versus have to do this like, you know, I will go to solitary confinement or I will have uh additional time tacked on my sentence. Yeah. I don't think for the most part. Like uh I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, guess I the point that. that I'm making is that, you know, it, it was like that story that we saw on TV before of that kid in St. Petersburg who was incredibly horribly abused by his mother or his aunt or his grand. I think it was his grandmother, actually. He was already mentally compromised. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to this homeless encampment and I think stabs somebody out of confusion or self-defense. And now he's in jail for the rest of his life. I mean, this is... <laughs> I, it's amazing to me and terrifying to me that there are millions of people in in prison in the United States yeah. basically for no other reason than the circumstance of their birth and the, the circumstance of the geography of their birth. And he was also saying that, um, that I, I'm, I'm totally making this up, but the majority of people in New York City who are put in jail come from seven neighborhoods, you know, in the Bronx or... And so these are people that are born into very, very little chance, generation after generation. Um, and I, I, every, I don't know, I don't know. I just feel like every time there's a riot or they burn something down, I'm like, good, do more, do more of that. You deserve it, you know? My I, God. I, I think the, you know, how did this happen sort of thing, what, you know, quote, drove this person to this whatever uh, th those are interesting questions but i don't really think that's uh the purpose of the criminal justice system uh and i certainly don't think it's what you know correctional facilities should be about i mean they uh the you know didn't this person there's know, no such thing as correctional few, though well I, i'm just saying I mean, they, they, that's the euphemism and again i'm not sure that that's uh a well um, designed idea to begin with. I, I think that it's much easier to not even deal with the question of um, is this person, you know, uh, now fit for society. I, I think it's much easier to think purely in terms of punitive. Um, the purpose of the criminal justice system is to punish, you know, criminal act. You don't have to say um, is this person, you know, now fit um have they instead been you know has this uh, experience been so damaging uh that they are no longer fit for society i think that's a perhaps related question but has nothing to do with the core idea of these are the you know the, this is a criminal act uh w based on the best available information i'm talking about under the the best circumstances you know um, a jury of the peers has found this person to be culpable for this act. 
it is now the state's responsibility, whether, and that includes, in a sense, all citizens of the states have said, uh, you know, de facto that <laughs> this something must happen. This act under our criminal code, this is a punishable offense. And now somebody has to, you know, be punished for this. Yeah, but my idea is that the crime that this person committed was being born when your grandmother is maybe only 35 years old and you have no role models and your role models had no role models and there's no education for you and you live in a scary, horrible situation. You know, he said poverty is violence and I totally agree with that. That's the crime. I mean, this is, it, it, it's, it's horrific to me that you were born into a situation where your destiny is almost certainly going to um, um, involve time. I just... And and yet it doesn't almost certainly because, of course, to say that... But do not use the exception to prove the rule. That's what you're about to do. That's exactly what you're doing. No, it's not. Because it's one thing to say that whatever the numbers are, uh, you know, 80% of uh, everyone in prison, in, you know, state prison in uh, New York comes from 20% of the neighborhoods or whatever. It's quite different to say that um, 80% of people from these neighborhoods uh, are in prison. And that's not the case in any neighborhood anywhere in the United States or the world. Yeah, but one so, out of 10 black men are in jail right now in America. I believe yes. that that's the statistic. And uh, of the other nine, many of them were raised in those same neighborhoods. Yeah, but they've also probably at some point also at least been arrested or had a confrontation with the cops. Um, my point, like my point is that if I had it to do all over again, I think I would have chosen a career where I go into these communities, especially with young women, and help. Like it would for me would always be about the young women. Get them educated. Get them supported. Yep. Get them the the um, the mental support that they need. Give them love, um, and keep them from getting pregnant. And just you know. And this is why I love Caroline Williams, who I want to have on the show um, or on the podcast, mm-hmm. because this is exactly what she's doing. And she's such a like um, uh, compassion with consequences type person. She's tough and she doesn't put up with any shit. And sometimes people get bounced out of her program, you know, but most of most of the people, the young people that she works with are successful. They complete it. And I'm like, my God, I want to be a part of that somehow. You know, she cries all the time. I love Caroline because she's so I don't think we've ever had a conversation where she doesn't tear up, you know, <laughs> yeah, and I love that about her. That's, that's extraordinary. Yeah. It's not extraordinary. It should be more normal, you know, considering what she's immersed in every day. Um, Perhaps. Anyway, I'm not um, saying that, that crying is the most useful activity, <laughs> but um you know, it, it's one thing to yeah feel bad about someone's situation or to be empathetic or sympathetic, but um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the. It's just scratching an itch, Michael. That's an, it's no different. Uh, yeah, but you can't always scratch the itch. That's how things get infected, or <laughs> you know, just just you deal with the you know just because the mosquito bite's bothering you, you just leave it alone. You're like it's not going to go away just by. If scratching. I'm crying, I don't need you to scratch my itch for me. I just need you to like, you know. 
watch me scratch my itch or you can leave the room. It's no, fine. you're scratching your own itch. Right. That's what I, yeah. You just, but you don't have to feel uncomfortable, desperately, horrifically. I want to like jump out this window uncomfortable. I don't feel uncomfortable. It's just, you, you do. know, it, it's just kind of a lower brain, you know, it, it's just kind of an animalistic uh, impulse. Uh, We're the only I'm, animal that cries. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying we can. There's nothing animalistic of, about emotions. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Uh, well, now we're talking about the internal, the actual experience of emotion versus the You outward. just equate the expression of emotion with weakness or some sort of intellectual no, uh, failing. We, no, I, I don't necessarily do that. But I'm just saying that it's important, I think, to distinguish between the emotion itself versus the outward manifestation. The crying, you know, if you want to, you know, quote, cry on the inside, that's one thing. But... When you're expressing the emotion, um, you are burdening your fellow humans to respond no, uh, to your outward manifestation. Anybody, you're not burdening somebody. That's that's the key. So it's your emotion that, that your emotion is discomfort, awkwardness, embarrassment when you're witnessing somebody cry. So you've decided. You don't that think that crying is a communicative activity? It, it, it yes, but it doesn't mean that I'm burdening you with the with. It's up to you to decide so you if you want to feel awkward or embarrassed about watching somebody cry. Why are you communicating it? Then why not shout into the void? You know, go cry in a cave or uh, around, uh, you know. So am no I, if I around. laugh or if I'm happy, am I burdening you with my emotion? Uh, laughter, I think, is generally thought of as a positive. You know, that's like a, I mean, I suppose part of it is just, you know, social norms. So, you know, the idea of uh, people getting together to laugh um that happens and i suppose there are groups that sort of get together to cry um i'm not sure that's necessarily a good idea but it, it i suppose it happens but I mean, if i see caroline crying i don't perceive that as negative i don't feel that she's you know introduced a negative vibe into you know the room or the conversation yeah. that we're having. I'm not sure it's necessarily negative, but <laughs> it, it is. Um, do, do you not consider crying a somewhat personal expression? Aren't all expressions personal? Uh, I think the less um, subjective and internalized the ideas are uh, the the more uh, excuse me the the less which way do they go the the more personal it is so if you just go with you know whatever expressions we're talking about um, discussing uh, objective fact or something like that th that's not personal that's the purpose of the objectivity is to form consensus but with internal or you know uh, more personalized ideas uh, I feel bad enough to cry or I feel good enough to laugh if you want to put it in those very simplistic terms um, those are much more subjective I think right but and that way sort of isolating wouldn't you feel if I if I if you had told me the story about an innocent man who was in the worst incarceration conditions for 29 years for a crime he didn't commit and I laughed hysterically at that wouldn't that make you feel uncomfortable 
only slightly more so than you crying about it. <laughs> I mean, a, a person that you don't know. Yeah. It's like you, you can in the abstract say, oh, this is, you know, unfortunate. Um, the world uh, doesn't especially have uh, our, you know, human interests or needs <laughs> in mind. And that's true. I would say the world is <laughs> rather indifferent to it. And it's not good for people to be indifferent uh, to it. But um, I think for the most part, when people are wrongly convicted, it's not, you know, because uh, whatever, I can't wait to get that Mumia guy or whatever. Uh, well, I mean, that's not even a wrongful conviction. But, uh, y you know, I think it, it's more about just kind of sloppiness or in some cases you know with sort of overzealous prosecution it's about you know career building uh and obviously you have to you know portray this i'm tough on crime i'm gonna put the bad guys and it usually is the guys uh behind bars uh and i don't necessarily think that those people are you know misguided or evil they're, they're not i don't think people are evil uh but uh they're doing what they think is right, but you know, things there will be things that sort of get lost in the shuffle along the way. Um, it is ideological, and that's what makes it problematic. But I don't think it's the system is conspiring against these guys that came from this neighborhood in New York. When I cry in front of you, yeah, your discomfort, embarrassment, awkwardness is on full display. Those are also emotions. So then I feel like I shouldn't cry around Michael because I'm protecting you from your emotional response to my emotional response. So who's who has the more reasonable and logical reaction in that instance? You know, if I'm crying over the horrible state of the world or if I see on TV, of, you know, frickin', you know, starving bear in a cage and that makes me yep. cry. You're more upset over me crying than you are seeing the same thing on TV that I just saw. I'm not as experienced with it as, as some people. Uh, so and I I'm, cry all the time. You well, can be more experienced if you never get better. No, I, I meant with the actual crying activity. Yeah. So do people like to what's the preference do people like to cry more in uh, a community you like to like you know cry in a group uh or do you like to cry alone what are you talking about uh, what, what i'm saying is that what, what is the purpose of the crying is it to feel better for yourself or is it an attempt to uh you know communicate how you're feeling to someone else um is that more cathartic to to you know share the crying to to uh share the discomfort to share the what's misery? the point of laughing or at something that's funny why not keep your laughter inside laugh on the inside well, rather the than the distinction i'm trying to make here is uh, i don't know is it better to laugh in private or in public uh i'm not I sure i think it's better to laugh in public and i think it's better i think it's better that we all get more comfortable with somebody crying and expre physically expressing that emotion um, as we are comfortable with people laughing in public. I, I'm fine with, you know, everyone doing what they want. So if uh, everyone in the crying group enjoys crying in front of each other, <laughs> then <laughs> have at it. All right. But okay. I think that that's, I, I think probably most societies uh, 
crying is generally considered a kind of a personal and i think that's because we don't like looking at people crying the sound of crying is unpleasant people's faces get kind of ugly and weird when they're crying it doesn't look good it doesn't sound good you know but let's flip it around we were just talking about kamala harris who has that horrible toothy giggly laugh that she can't seem to control in very inappropriate moments pretty much every moment it's like stop that what are you doing you know that makes me feel more awkward and embarrassed for her as a woman because let's face it like you know crying is considered you know a weak or womanly thing you know to do Unless you're like an Italian who like expresses their emotions and it's considered, you know, something right. different. I mean, the ultimate stereotypes that we need to overcome right now. Sure. But <laughs> that one, man, you know, the nervous giggle. Oh, no matter who's doing it, there isn't anything more creepy. I'd rather see her just, you know, shed a, a dignified, yeah. you know, Barack Obama tear than, than whatever that is, you know. Yeah, My an, God. An, an onion necklace tear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I just I don't think that she has people around her apparently that say no. But I'm just saying no. But not we're talking well. about emotions right now. So doesn't that make you feel uncomfortable when she does that? Don't you feel like lose? Let me say this. I think that that whatever credibility she has and she's never had a lot with me is even more undermined by that display yeah. than you know if she were to right to cry well i mean i i feel the same level of discomfort as i do with whatever when i see you know w's floundering because he's talking about sovereignty or whatever Mm -hmm. uh or um you know biden's whatever stumbling over corn pop stories or something so it's it's that same kind of wow you know i can't believe one that this is happening and one i can't believe that it's televised or whatever mm-hmm. so uh yeah it, it's just that that level of discomfort and in the case of you know harris who is a contemporary politician and i i would have thought that some of this stuff had been you know kind of focus grouped and that there's a, a you know a, a network around them enough to say hey this you know we weren't pulled this d- definitely don't do that um so you know, just that that's not testing well. Please, please don't do that anymore. Uh, but, you know, maybe there are, you know, more genuine threads uh, in the uh, political. Uh, well, where am I going with this? So uh, I may be being a little cynical about it uh, to say that I can't believe that we see this uh, outward I- expression of this person. Uh, I would have thought for sure that. Um, their people would have said, D- don't, don't do that. I remember on Hillary Clinton's campaign, there was a moment that was televised where they were in some, they're on the campaign paint trail. They're in some pizza shop and she's she'd just done some abortions in the basement. No, Michael. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. No, or, yeah. Eaten. She, she'd just eaten some babies for lunch right. in the basement of the pizza shop. Right. And she starts crying. And you can tell that it's just from sheer exhaustion. And this is sort of a Brene oh, Brown thing. But in that moment, I thought it was inappropriate to televise, to record and televise that because 
that's a leadership moment where in that case you should cry behind closed doors because that doesn't get anybody anywhere when you are so tired and exhausted that you're getting a bit weepy in that case because it's a it's a leadership thing there are times when you know the appropriate level of vulnerability needs to be exposed for the right reasons over the right topics and there are times when it's not and that is a time when i don't think that you should show that aspect of you because as a leader you can say to your team hey i'm really tired you're really tired too it's that dutch thing of 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 which i love about the dutch with those types of emotions to say i'm really angry about this or i'm really i'm boy i'm really exhausted it's making me feel a bit emotional or i'm really they'll say i'm really angry or frustrated about this versus expressing that anger by yelling or swearing or whatever in a professional moment i you know i love that about dutch culture actually mm-hmm. that's something that should have happened in that case um that's interesting to me because it, it sort of sounds like you're distinguishing between um, a kind of crying just because of the, well, I would think of it more like my body is crying mm-hmm. because I am, you know, exhausted and this is just kind of what's happening, like almost reflexively, like, you know, tap on the knee uh, and the, the leg goes out sort of thing. Yes. Versus the... Um, I'm going to have a good cry or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to put on steel magnolias or something that, that sort of thing. Steel magnolias. Well, I think people cry at that. Yeah. Or band of brothers, you know, uh, what did grandpa say? A- absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yes, that's a very good, thank you, Michael. That's a very good distinction <laughs> because if you're a leader and you have to give a big presentation and you have a horrible cold, Fill your body with cold medicine. Nobody needs to see you blowing your nose and sneezing. And, you know, yes, it was a physical reaction, which is, you know, and I do that all the time. I get really weepy and cry. I'm like, okay, I'm just exhausted. You know, I'm my emotional response to things right now is oversized compared to the the stimuli. And you're saying in that case, that sort of undermines the leadership potential of that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, good, good, good. Because I would say that the other one, is to my mind sort of undermines their leadership potential because it's so obviously you know manipulative Mm. and you know look at you know they're crying at the whatever david niven's refrigerator type situation i mean it's a very you know uh william hurt type yeah or that guy that got on skype when he's laying off his half his company and he cries because it's so upsetting to him no 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 not appropriate (laughs) no one cares yeah well it's just i had forgotten in that um uh, second season, uh, first episode of The Office. Yeah. Uh, Brent has to lay off his PA, and he's very upset. Yeah. he's dealing with it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out Don can do most of the work. Or he has some good news because he's not losing his job. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Everybody can be happy for him. News. <laughs> yeah, he's got some good news. Yeah. Um. All right. So bad news and irrelevant news. Excuse me. Anyway, point is, I really admire Caroline Williams. I'm going to have her on the show. I want to get involved in what she's doing in the smallest way because I have no idea what I'm doing and she does there. But I feel like, especially with women, you know, this is something that um, I feel like I need to contribute to to feel good about myself. It's always been an instinct. 
We have young boys too. Raise your boys right. Raise them. Be careful about your essentialism, though. I mean, the yeah. idea of you know inherent womanness is is not very fashionable these days. I don't care what's fashionable. That's <sighs> as evidenced by your clothing. All right. <laughs> hey. All right. Um, it's post corona. There is the lines have been blurred between streetwear and pajamas. So you're the one that started the pants jamas movement, anyway, Michael. Um, so for our listeners, of which there are zero, except for the fly buzzing around in here, Michael invented the term pants jamas, which most of the men in my life were like, well, yeah, which is an article of trouser-esque clothing that can be worn to sleep in, but also you can get away with wearing them out in public, pants jamas. This was pre-corona, by the way. Michael came up with pants jamas. Okay, but I mean, it, it's I didn't come up with the idea. Uh, you coined the it, term it, well, pants jamas. It was, but it, it it came out of the specific. So I I, I own a, a garment. It was bought for me by Beth, as most of my clothes are. Um, it's a, a pair of Eddie Bauer. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll say that they go on the lower half of your body, and they have you know two tubes uh, for your legs. <laughs> Um, but they are rather thick, uh, you know, material, which seems somewhat like a, a winter pajama. However, they do have a zippered pocket, uh, on the, the bum, which rather seems like something that's not needed if you're just going to be sleeping in. So, so yes, on the one hand, they seem like pajamas because they seem inappropriate uh, for going out to the uh, home improvement store. However, that zippered pocket in the back, I think, makes a very strong argument for the home improvement store. Also, you use those pants as um, long underwear. They're and rather there are, thick. There are so many, many careful. pictures of us where we're, you know, taking a weekend up into Schilling or somewhere a bit chilly and... Uh, and my girlfriends will be like, why does Michael have such, like, puffy yeah. legs? And I'm like, well, because he's got his pet jam is underneath his his yeah. um, his jeans. They are noticeably thicker. Than, <laughs> uh, I should find the, the model. I, I can't believe they still, they're getting very thin now. Yeah. Uh, and, and thread. You got your money's worth out I of do those. Have, um, yeah, it, it's an Eddie Bauer product. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if Eddie Bauer still exists. I don't either. Um but I've had them for more than 25 years. Uh, and yeah, they're going strong. Going good. They're doing good. Yeah. Yep. All right. So um, what we have to get done today, we have to invoice for those events. That's the mm -hmm. first thing I'm going to do. The second thing I'm going to do is get all of the new projects into Monday. Absolutely have to get that done. I'm going to work on some laundry and uh and hopefully by the end of the day i'm at least going to get the outline done for the pitch decks excellent um that's my that's day quite been 25 years i've had them for more than 20 years you have I had them for a not, long time not quite 25 years. we were I, we bought them in seattle so yeah they're pre-law school michael they're pre-law school oh yeah 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 no they're um i think they're uh pre clones even uh or pre-menace possibly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah anyway pre-menace 
pre-menace. Possibly pre-menace. It, right, yeah, I'm thinking maybe closer to 2000, though. But yeah, right around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, more than 20 years. And so the sweater that you're wearing right now, I bought you probably seven or eight years ago, maybe longer. Sounds about right. And the shorts you're wearing right now, you, my mother gave to you. So you're and wearing your mother-in-law's shorts. No, I'm th- these are my sort of adaptive father-in-law's shorts. Those are your main shorts. Yeah, these are Howard's. Oh, uh, they are? Yeah, yeah. Aww, these Howard are, was my the, stepfather. The deck was built uh, oh, with, sweet. in these, yes. Nice. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Excellent. Yes. Thanks. Put it. Talk to you later. Go walk the dogs. Yes. Okay. Okay. So now I need, you need I need you to teach me how to get this off of this machine. I mean, this machine is old. Does it have like a little SD card in it or something? So am I gonna have to pull that out, put it into my laptop, and then upload it to wherever I'm gonna store it? I want to do all the editing. You know, once it's stored wherever I'm going to store it. Well, you should do all the editing uh, online. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to show me how to pull this out. And then at that point, you know what I could do is I could rename it in the cloud. And then I don't. And then I can just erase it and then just do PRJ001 over and over and over again. That would probably be the easiest. All right. Thank you.